uh, new video, I kind of want to walk in like John Cena and like kick some stuff down. Uh, but they said no. So uh, I don't know who they is, but uh, uh, <laughs> let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for men and women that got out of bed uh, when a cold, rainy day, probably bed felt great. <laughs> um, Father, I thank you for the teenager. Father, working pro presenter. <laughs> Advancing slides. Father, I thank you, Father, for the moms in this room and for the, the moms that have gone before us, Father, that have invested into the people that are here in this room. Father, I thank you, Father, that we get to focus on you, Jesus Christ. Father, we get to make you the focal point, Father. We get to declare your name, Father. We get to declare that you are the one we want to follow, that you are the one we want to sing our hallelujah to. We exist for the fame of your name, Jesus. We love you. In your name, we pray. Amen. I am an idiot, just like the next person, and uh, anybody like watching during worship, my wife walks in, I'm like dancing around, and I jacked her with my my water, that was embarrassing, on Mother's Day nonetheless, and uh, so like when my kids wake up, they're a chaotic mess, like your kids are a chaotic mess, and everything in the morning, from wake up to right around breakfast time, is nothing short of chaos. And we scream at each other. We yell at each other. We love each other through screaming. That's okay. And we do all that. But then we get to this five minutes around the breakfast table where all the chaos ends and we just like are shoving our mouths full of food to try to eat it in five minutes to get to the bus. Now, what happened uh, the, other, the other day is my wife had just gone to BJ's and bought a brand new cereal that they had never had. And so I, we said, hey, what cereal do you all want for breakfast? And they all shouted at the same time because they had it the day before, we want some Captain Crunch. They fell in love with it. Do we have any Captain Crunch lovers in the room? We got a few Captain Crunch lovers. And I was like, oh, y'all love Captain Crunch? Well, I grew up in the 90s. I got a song for you. And I threw it up on Spotify and played them this song. Check it out. Now, your reaction to that song is their reaction. They looked at me and like, they don't serve breakfast in hell? Like, Dad, what are you doing? That is the weirdest thing you've ever showed us. And I'm like, well, your music is weird too. And they are all about the Captain Crunch life. And I was able, while eating breakfast, to bring a little perspective to their lives. There is no breakfast in hell. You're not going to get your Captain Crunch. You better eat it up now because it's not, who knows what's going to happen later. And they were like, Dad, what are you doing? That's the life of a pastor's house. Anything is a sermon illustration. And, but what happened earlier in the week, even before Captain Crunch, in that perspective, my son is, and I are driving in the car from the back seat. He says, Dad, can I ask you a question? Or, Dad, can, can we talk? Sure, buddy, what's, what's up? Dad, I, I don't believe that God exists. I'm the pastor, and this is my son. What? Sure, buddy, we can talk. So we got home, and, and I pulled him in. Uh, I'm in the living room. I'm praying a little bit. And I'm like, okay, buddy, hey, come in here. Let, let's talk for a second. I was like, so, buddy, why, why, why don't you believe God exists? He's like, well, it's just sometimes I don't believe it. And so why, why is that? And, and he said to me, because sometimes I pray for things, and I, I don't see it happening. And I was like, oh, man, buddy, in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, you're going to be wrestling this with this for the rest of your life. His perspective was, I've prayed. I haven't seen anything happen. So what he deducted, what he said was, well, then God must not be real. Some of us walked into this room saying and thinking the exact same thing as my eight-year-old. 
And so I had, I was, he was looking to me for perspective, and I had to look at him and say, well, hey, guess what? You, you, you ask for candy all the time, right? Yeah. Like, does daddy always say yes when, when you ask for candy? Well, no, sometimes you say no. Uh, okay, okay, good. Okay, what would happen if daddy always said you can have candy every single time you would want, you want it? What would be the end result? And he, he, he literally thought for a second and was like, well, I'd be fat. I was like, okay, all right. And he just like blurted that out. And I was like, so is that the healthiest you? No, it's not. And so I said, Landon, if, if, if I want the healthiest you, don't I as dad have to sometimes say no to what you want? Yeah. And I said, well, buddy, sometimes God who wants the healthiest you has to say no for your best interest. And as an eight-year-old, he, he, took, he took that rationale, he took that perspective, and he went on to play with his tablet. <laughs> we need sometimes a perspective shift to, to think about how we view God and how that then translates how to then we move forward in, in our day-to-day life. If we view God one way, that's going to affect how we act and, and how we move forward. But, but sometimes when we, when we shift our thinking, that will lead to different actions about, about life and how we, how we progress. And, and so we're going to pick up in, in the gospel of Luke. Luke is, uh, is a gospel. Gospels are just an account of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke just talked to eyewitnesses. And then as he talked to eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, he recorded this all. And we have the gospel of Luke, an eyewitness's account of what happened in Jesus' life. When I say picking up, it's because we were preaching about Luke back in, uh, back in J- June of last year. And so we kind of methodically work through Luke each year. And so we're gonna, where we're picking up is Jesus had just picked the 12 disciples. He was praying, 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 praying all night long. And he gets and picks out these 12 very ordinary men to be his disciples, his traveling partners. And they've, they've signed up. They follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they drop everything. They follow Jesus. And then he prays. And he's like, he, he affirms it. This is, this is good. We're, these are my 12 homeboys. We're going to move forward. And now, now that we're moving forward, now I need you to start to shift your perspective on what it means to truly follow me. Perspective shift is needed. Why? Because when we, if we want to act like the world, that would make us worldly. But to shift our perspective will lead to different actions. As, as they're going to follow Jesus, they're going to have to do things differently. And you know what that's going to feel like? Blazing a new trail. That's why we talk, called this series a trailblazer, because when you want to act differently than the rest of the world, it's going to look different, it's going to feel different, and it's going to feel like we are blazing a new trail in the midst of this broken world, and that is going to demand a perspective shift. So this is where we pick up. He said, and he came down with them and stood on a level place. That's a natural amphitheater. He's, he's, he came down off the mountain. Now there's a mountain in the background, so now he can project his voice. And with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and, and Sidon, uh, he, who, who, who came to him to hear, to be healed of their diseases, and to those who were troubled with unclean spirits were, were cured. There's three groups of people now sitting before Jesus, those that want to be healed, those that want to hear his teaching, and, and those that have these demons in them. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for the power came from him, and he healed them all. And what Jesus is going to do is now he has this, this captive audience. Many of them are there just to be healed, but Jesus is going to speak truth into life. This we're, we're we're going to be looking at in this series is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to speak to them what it means to be a disciple. What Jesus could have done is he could have just left them there. 
They would have walked away with the perspective of, oh, man, what a really cool guy. What a really cool dude. And, and, and I've been healed. Okay, good. I'm out. But Jesus is like, no, there's so much more. You need to shift your perspective of how you view me. Have you, met, have you, have you experienced this when, when you pray for one, when you, when you think of people that don't know Jesus and you're, trying, you're praying, God, give me an opportunity to share with them. You're one, you're one, you're one. And, and you talk to them. And you're like, oh, what do you think of Jesus? Have you heard this response? Well, he's a great moral teacher. He was a really good guy. Do you notice the people that talk of Jesus as a great moral teacher rarely, if ever, go on to talk about his great moral teaching? Have you, have you ever noticed that if they're able to, they're like, well, yeah, he was a great moral teacher. He said, uh, do, 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 do unto others as you would have done to yourself. I really like that one. You know what that is in 2019? That's a tweet. <laughs> They're looking at Jesus and giving him the classification of great moral teacher based off of one tweet that they've, in essence, retweeted. And and now I know plenty of idiots that have gotten lucky one time and put out a good tweet. That doesn't make them a good moral teacher. What they're doing in that comment is saying, well, he's a great moral teacher as a way to compliment him and reject him. I'm going to say he's a great moral teacher, but I'm not good when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I didn't even read that portion. I can't tell you anything else he said. I'm going to hang on one word as a way of rejecting him. And so we need a perspective shift from Jesus. And he's going to do that as he ushers in this sermon on the mount. The first part of it is, is changing our perspective. Our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus. We view him differently. Therefore, we then act differently. And this is going to apply to all areas of our life. It has to. Why? Because if we climb the mountain, as Graham was talking about last week, we have that spiritual high what happens when we come down off the mountain to cancer to to being fired at our job to to the bully at school we need to change our perspective because our perspective needs to affect every element of our lives not just the mountaintop experience so would you stand with me stand up for a second i want to read you then the first portion of the sermon on the mount as luke records it He said, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who, what? Weep now, for for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. And and when they exclude you and when they rival you and when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. What? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so therefore their fathers did to the prophets. But, but woe to you who are what? Rich? For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall, shall mourn and weep. Woe to you who speak, to all who speak well of you. For there, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. We're going to look at these four different areas of Jesus talking about hey, a blessing and a woe. Different areas that they need a perspective shift. Why? Because the perspective, our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus. The follower of Jesus looks at those four areas as different than everybody else. You guys can have a seat. Jesus is saying to his followers, here's what it means to follow me. Here's what it means to think differently about these areas. You can take it or leave it, but here's what you can expect. 
You want to be blessed? What does Jesus say is blessing? Where does he connect blessing? He connects it to the future, not the here and the now. Did you catch that? How would you and I, if we were talking with our buddies at a coffee shop and we were to walk in and say, I live a blessed life. We may not talk like that, but if we were to say that, what would you expect to have happen? You would start thinking about your bank account. Oh, I live a blessed life because of my bank account. I live a blessed life because of my home or the neighborhood I live in or the job that I have or the degree that I have. You would look at all present things and point to blessing. But Jesus is connecting blessing to future future reward and then he's connecting this these woes like whoa he's not riding a horse like whoa 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 he's saying like this is not the good life you should hit the pause button and think about this what you should be thinking about if you are not a christian because you would look at all those things that christ says woe to hit the pause button too you would look at all of those things and say well isn't that a blessed life not as god defines it As the way God looks at the non-Christian, he's looking at this and saying, this is your best life now. For the non-Christian, this is the best life we'll ever get. But for the Christian, we look forward to the great reward that is ours in Christ Jesus. And so he looks at these four different areas to, to say, hey, our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus. The first one that he addresses with the blessing and then the well is in the area of wealth. The, the scripture will again be up on the screen. To the, to the, to the non-Christian, we, we find security and comfort in things. We, we say, oh, my bank account, I can, I can handle this tragedy. But to the non-Christian, we, we, or to the Christian, we look at this and we say, no, I don't need my bank account to be my dependence. My dependency is on God. And, 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 and to the poor, here's what the poor can learn better than anybody else in this room. And I say that as a very intentional positive. You know what the poor understand? They understand how to be dependent upon somebody else. We, sometimes in our wealth and in our privilege, we've lost sight of what it means to be dependent upon another. But for the Christian, we look at wealth as an opportunity to be, still be or to be dependent upon God and God alone. So has your bank account become your God? Are you dependent upon wealth or the, the premise of wealth and what God will look at? That? If money is your God in the past tense, you have received all that you want. This is your best life now. But for the Christian, our true happiness isn't in our bank account, isn't in our things. Our true happiness is in the kingdom to come. Why? Because in the kingdom to come, my bank account don't mean crap. (laughs) My bank account has zero value in the life to come. God is my value and my satisfaction. I, I love uh, a dear family in our church is, is the Raj family. He's uh, Josh Raj is one of the elders here at, at our church. We just recently had our very first elders meeting uh, at, with our, the leadership of the church. And if you guys know the Raj family, he plays guitar. Bass, he plays a lot of things. Sometimes he sings. Sometimes he leads worship. Sometimes sometimes he plays. He does all things. He's a jack of all trades. And and so he's he's preached here. He shared his story. And when, when he shared his story, he said, "Hey, about a year and a half ago, I walked into my home." and a pipe burst, and then I would never live in my home again. It was destroyed. They would move into their in-laws, into the basement of the Langworthy household. And what God taught them through that, through that season of their life, through that, through that months and then almost a year of being out of their home, he taught them what family means. 
Family is us together. Family isn't, isn't my physical home. Family is us all being together. I value my family way more than I value the things of my home. My home is my family. And they, they started to understand that. And what I saw in Josh, Josh was a, a, a subtle shift in his thinking that I think he learned through this, this season of, of hardship. Because we're at the elders meeting at the end. We're, we're praying for this church. We're praying for each other. We're praying, praying, praying. And when Josh said, here's what you can pray for me. He's like, I'm starting to lead a life group. I'm going to speak truth into people's lives. And what I want them to do when they walk into my house, I want them to see my home. But before I open their mouths, before I open my mouth, I want them to see that I value faith and family. I don't want them to walk into my home and say that I, and come away with the conclusion that I must value things. You know why Josh thinks like that? Because he understands everything that he has can't go with him. You know what I value? My family. Because should they say yes to a relationship with Jesus, I party with them for all of eternity. I ain't taking my TV with me. I want Landon, Brady, and Reagan to come with me and worship for all of eternity. That is what matters. We serve a generous God. It's one of the things that we value as a church. Why? Because God has been good to us with our time, our skills, and our money. I don't want to be on my deathbed and wish I would have done more with my time, my skills, my money. I want to look back on my life and say, I put those things, I put those things in perspective and I use them on the right type of things. I was generous, as generous as I could physically be and it advanced the kingdom of God. So the perspective that God ripped me apart this week with was, Jason, are there people doing far more for the kingdom of God with far less than you have? And I had to sit and I was like, yeah. As a follower of Jesus, I had to look at that question and say, yeah, to my discredit. There are times where I might sacrifice more for wealth than for following and honoring God. There might be times where I trust the paycheck more than I trust being holy. There might be times where I'm tempted with all of those things like you and I are tempted. To put wealth above God is to make wealth your God. And what will that do with you to you in the life to come? The second, our, our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus. Yes, it affects how we view wealth, but it also affects how we view hunger. And the scripture will again be up on the screen that if you are full now, if eating and, and filling your tummy is the end all be all, you will be hungry in the life to come. But then as you follow Jesus, there might be times where you, where you miss a meal, where maybe you fast, or maybe these people will be persecuted where they won't always be eating. And God is saying, you will be satisfied in the life to come. You will forever be satisfied because that is what heaven and hell is. Heaven is full satisfaction. Hell is the lack of satisfaction. And that is, for some of us, that is the reality that sits in this room. Some of us are, are watching from, from the overflow room. There are people in this room that, that know the pains of hunger. And what I felt like God was, was offering up to me as, as a way of, of perspective to those that might know hunger, and I say this with all humility, I'd rather be hungry in America than in other parts of the world where hunger might lead to your literal death. 
And so if I need to leave here with any ounce of, of perspective, yes, I'm so thankful for the Drew's Life Group that is investing into, into, the, into the hunger, into the poverty of our community and offering them up meals, making them meals. We need to keep doing that. We can't be okay that the poor are just poor here and they're hungry. No, we must do something about it. But then from our position of privilege, for many of us, how do we view our fridge? How do we view our freezers? I, I met with a, a couple. I was, I was having coffee at Cafe Enigma, working outside on a nice day uh, with, um, with my laptop and whatnot, working on the sermon. And they, they came up the, the week before at Life Group. They were making fun of Jordan for liking a uh, fairly not manly drink. So we were all making fun of him. It was good. Making fun of Jordan is always fun. And, uh, and so then, then they come around the corner, and they're like, oh, we needed to try out this drink. I was like, What? Okay, cool, whatever. And so they were there to try out the drink, and uh, and so then we just started talking, and they were like, "Oh, we're we're about to go to the about to go to the shop, right? Because everything on the cupboards, every like the shelves, every every there is nothing in our house." And we started joking and talking, and they're like, "Well, well, we, actually, we did buy that freezer. Anybody ever get sold on buying a freezer in your house because it's going to save you money?" And anybody realize that it's never actually saved you money? I was sold. Okay, anyways, I digress. And they were like, well, we have freezers. And in our freezer is some deer meat. In our freezer is, is some pheasants. In our freezer, like, they were, like, hunter, like, they hunt and stuff. Like, we have, we have very full freezers. And then they were like, well, but that would take, like, defrosting. And that would take, like, then we have to plan it out and stuff. And, and they kind of just laughed at themselves, like, okay, well, we have to go to ShopRite. And, I, was, and I, was, I started laughing but not laughing to myself because I was like, I've had those same conversations. I'm looking at a fridge full of food and thinking, I have absolutely nothing. The perspective here as a Christian is to say, anytime my tummy is full, praise God for that, no matter how the food came. Praise God for a full tummy, and I can look at my fridge as, as that's privilege. I can look at my freezer as that's privilege. If I own a freezer in a fridge, I, I'm in a position of privilege. That should change my perspective. The third area of perspective is our, our life, our, our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus hunger and wealth, but then, but then laughter. This, is, this laughter, when he talks about going from groaning to laughter, he's talking about redemption. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Because you and I, when we are apart from Jesus, we have everything to groan about. This, this life should be, and this will be your enjoyment. This is your best life now. But in the life to come, you might feel groaning here. This is the last time for the Christian you will ever feel groaning. Why? Because in the life to come, it will be joy and satisfaction in Christ Jesus. For the non-Christian, you might laugh now and weep later. Because that's what the final life is. That's what eternity is. It's the, it's the great switch of, of circumstances. The difference between the just and the unjust. Those that are found just because of Jesus Christ get to laugh for all of eternity with complete satisfaction in Christ Jesus. So what do you do with this life, this time? What do you make of Jesus? I have, uh, in about two and a half years, I have my next uh, high school reunion. And I'd like to tell you that it's my five-year reunion. Um, but it's not. <laughs> I'm getting older and grayer. It's my 20-year reunion. <laughs> Y'all are doing the math. Yes, I graduated. All right. I graduated in 2002. Newsboys were cool back then. And, uh, and so I, I'm graduating. And, and I have never been to one of my reunions, but I want to go back for one reason and one reason only. And I'm, I'm about to say something disgusting, but y'all can't judge me because you're all in the same boat. I want to go back to shove my life up their butt. 
I want to go back to be like, look at me now. Because I see them on social media, and I'm all like, oh, you, you thought you were living your best life then, but haha, look at me now. Like, y'all made fun of me. I want to go back for one reason and one reason only. And it's a bad reason, so I'll probably never go back to one of my high school reunions. But we look back on that time in high school, and you know people that, that high school was everything. It was laughter. It was fun. It was the party. It was the drugs. It was the girls. It was this, that, the other thing. But what are they doing now? They made that time period everything. They laughed their way through high school. Are they laughing now? For many of them, they're not. And if I have a right perspective about those high school years, if I have a right perspective when I am in high school, this is a stepping stone to what is to come. Handle high school well because it will have an impact on college. Handle high school well because it will have an impact on, on jobs. Handle high school well because it will impact if, if man, one, one, one night mistake and now I'm on Megan's list for the rest of my life. What? Handle high school well. Because there's future implications. This life must be handled now if you want to experience joy and laughter for the life to come. And when I experience Jesus Christ, I know that there's groaning now. But the best life is to come where I celebrate with Jesus for all of eternity. So my current reality doesn't inform my faith as a Christian. No, my faith as a Christian informs my current reality. The last area that Jesus, that Jesus talks about, our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus. You have wealth, you have hunger, you have laughter, and then lastly, you have popularity. How do you handle popularity? How do you know? Who are you known by? For the Jesus who he's talking to, he's talking to a bunch of Jews that will say yes to Jesus as Messiah. You know what that means for them in all of reality? That means when they walk back into the synagogue, their church, guess what the, the Jewish leaders will do? Get out. It will mean that they lose the positions. It will mean that they, they might lose income. It will mean that, that they are going to be ostracized or excommunicated, that their families might reject them. And what Jesus does and say, guess what? You'll be popular in heaven. <laughs> you'll be welcomed in heaven. To be known by God now will means that you'll be known for all eternity. To be unknown by God now, but known by the masses, means that you might be unknown for all of eternity. So he's looking at them, and if you're the disciples, this is going to raise an eyebrow. Why? Because Jesus never says in this passage, don't worry, I'm going to kick him in the pants for you. Don't worry, you'll be vindicated here on earth. No, you need to focus for all of eternity. Think about what happened with the prophets. They followed me, many of them, to their death. And we look at them as great men and women of the faith. Why? Because we know of the life they lived and how they honored God and the impact that that had on their eternity. This will now be you. So when we suffer for our Savior's name, we receive a prophet's treatment and the great reward that is to come. And that's the reality for our friends in, uh, in Glad Tidings that Graham was talking about. We don't understand what it's like to, to actually physically risk our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they do. They've said it to us before. When they baptize somebody, that that oftentimes will mean their death. And so I asked our, 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 our missionary over to uh, Glad Tidings, India, I asked him to tell me a little bit more about that. And he said, when I've experienced baptisms in India, this was in an email to me, he said, the person being baptized is asked four questions before we baptize them. Do you accept Jesus as your personal savior? Do you reject all other gods? 
Are you willing to suffer for Christ? And then fourthly, are you willing to die for Christ? And if they say yes, then they baptize them. And he said, he went on to say, these questions are asked because this is reality. Not everyone in India who is baptized will have their lives threatened. But, the, but this is especially possible in areas where the BJP, a militant Hindu party, is in power. The local, if, the, if the local group of politicians and the name of their politicians and the mil, militant Hindus, they can deny Christians job access, access to water, and village amenities. However, it can also become more violent where their homes are burned, where people are injured, injured and they're even killed. He said because of the way many of the Christian men are being treated and how many of the Christian men are now dying for their faith, now they have a ministry to widows that become the lowlifes of society because their husbands have been killed for their faith. We as Christians, do we know that? Is that, is that the perspective that we wake up every single day? I'd rather be known by the one than the masses. That's a perspective change. I want to look at happiness and popularity. I want to, I want to see this world. If, I, if this world is everything that makes me popular, is everything that makes me happy, guess what? Everything here is temporary. It's not coming with me. No, if I want to find true happiness that is eternal, I start and I end in Jesus Christ because he is eternal. Our perspective on life changes when we follow Jesus. We will be blazing a new trail in the brokenness of this world, which means we will shift our perspective on wealth, hunger, laughter, and popularity. Perspective is that disciples live a life of hardship, but ultimate satisfaction is coming. A perspective is that the true disciple is going to be misunderstood. The true disciple is going to be persecuted because we are at odds with the world. Why? Because we are not of this world. We're going to our home where Jesus said, I'm leaving you to what? Prepare a place for you. This ain't my home. My home is currently being prepared for. And when God calls me home, I get to bask with him for all of eternity. I live this world as a foreigner and I will be treated as such. Perception is, perspective is for those that die rejecting the Messiah. This is your best life now. The pain that some of us walked into here on Mother's Day, the loss of life that some of us have experienced, the groaning that we feel on holidays like this. This is your best life now as a Christian or as a non-Christian. Soak it in. But perspective for the non-Christian, or for, I mean for the Christian, is that the best life is to come. This is the worst life will ever get for me because I know what's coming, and I praise God for that. Amen. Check out this video. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because hmm. that's what we, we thought we made it. <laughs> and when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. You wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up the hill, making me do push-ups, <laughs> screaming at me from the sideline in my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. 
when you didn't eat, you made sure we ate, you went to sleep hungry, you sacrificed for us. You're the real MVP. Sometimes getting a reward is a time to bring perspective and to think back. When I think of the reward to come, it brings me perspective to life now, as it did for Kevin Durant, looking at his mom and saying, you're the real MVP. I see the sacrifices that you made. You're the MVP, not me. When I think of the reward to come, it brings perspective to life now to know that, man, in my worst days, there are people that would kill for my worst day. When I think of the reward to come, I, I think of, man, we might have some growing pains as a, as a church. We might have some holes here and there. But you know what? There are some churches that would kill for our worst day. It brings perspective to the life and the reality that is before us. And so that is my challenge to you and I this week, is that we would read Romans 12 every single day. For the next seven days, I want you to read Romans 12 one time a day. Why? Because you know how Romans 12 starts? It says, you want to be transformed? Here's how you're going to experience transformation you're going you start by renewing your mind and then what happens is in Romans 12 it moves forward and it says this is what it means to follow me you love others you you hate what is evil you cling to what is good you love those in lowly positions you change your mindset you deal with reality differently and then this is how you are to act moving forward. I want you guys to read Romans 12 every single day this week. And if you're a Christian or if you're a non-Christian, why should you read it? Perhaps it's because your view on God is, is not based on truth. Perhaps you've been looking at him as a great moral teacher, but you don't really want to get behind this great moral teacher. Read this and ask yourself, the author of this story that we call the Bible, could I get behind this God as you read Romans 12? For us, we need to remember that this life is not our home. As a Christian, this life is temporary. That means that the old me died when I became a Christian. You know what died with the old me? My perspective on life. I gain a new perspective as I blaze the trail of this broken world. And you know what's true of the Christian when we think of the reward that is to come in the midst of hardship, in the midst of groaning? Guess what we get to do? We get to worship God Almighty because for the Christian, the best is yet to come. Let's sing. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.